0: What was it like in Bethlehem so long ago when Jesus was born? Although most of us won't be spending Christmas in Bethlehem this year, learning about the birthplace of our Lord can help us focus on the true meaning of
1: Christmas. And in this setting, the arrival of Christ becomes very important, that he came to save the lost. This is Science, Scripture,
0: and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal. I'm Chris O'Brien with the Institute for Creation Research. From shepherds on a hillside to an infant king wrapped in swaddling clothes, the Christmas story is the beautiful account of our Savior coming to earth to save sinful mankind. But what was it like in Bethlehem on the night of His birth? Come along with us for the next 15 minutes as we explore Bethlehem and piece together what it might have been like at the time of Christ's birth. We'll start out by talking about the climate and terrain of the Holy Land, ICR Atmospheric Scientist, Dr. Larry Vardaman.
2: Well, Israel has a really unique climate. It's a Mediterranean climate, obviously, since it's near the Mediterranean Ocean, which means it's relatively dry and relatively warm year-round. However, when you're down near the beach in western Israel, right along near Tel Aviv and down through the Gaza Strip, you're influenced by the ocean atmosphere, which keeps the climate or the temperature much more uniform. But as you get up near Jerusalem and Bethlehem, where Jesus was born, it's up in the hill country, and the elevation up there is about 2,500 feet. So it's somewhat cooler up there, but yet it's still normally fairly dry. Uh, In the wintertime, it can get quite cool down around freezing, and occasionally it will snow. But generally, it's much milder than uh, the climates we're accustomed to in mid-latitudes.
0: Dr. Vardaman also tells us how the climate and terrain of Israel is comparable to that of the southwestern coast of the United States.
2: If people are at all familiar with Southern California, it actually is similar to San Diego County. La Jolla, California is on the coastline, and that's similar to Haifa in Israel. The climate would be very similar to that. And as you move eastward in San Diego County up along what are called the Lagunas which is a kind of a coastal range about 40-50 miles inland from the ocean that's similar to the way it is in Israel basically uh, little towns up along the ridge there would be similar to Jerusalem and then it drops down into the desert to the east very very much like in Israel.
0: Biblical archaeologist Dr. Richard Fales tells us that while Galilee is green and lush Bethlehem is rocky and desert-like.
3: When you're up in Galilee the terrain changes from Galilee to when you get down to where Bethlehem is. Galilee is very green it's like when you make a trip from Jerusalem up to Galilee you notice the terrain changed immediately From a very green environment up in Galilee. It changes when you get down to the area of Judea, around Jerusalem, and down into the Bethlehem area. It gets to a more of a desert-like look.
0: So what would the weather have been like in the hill country of Bethlehem at the time of Christ's birth? Although we don't know the exact day and time that Jesus was born, many Bible scholars, for various reasons, say that Christ was probably born in the fall. Dr. Vardaman says the weather in Bethlehem during this time of year would most likely have been crisp and cool.
2: Typically in the fall, as in most parts of the world, uh, the jet stream is still in northern latitudes. And particularly uh, at that latitude, it would still be fairly dry and storm-free. So it's likely that the shepherds would have been easily able to see the stars. There would have been dew maybe even just slight amount of frost, probably light winds, and cool out in the fields. Obviously, Mary and Joseph would want to have some shelter to be inside to make it a little bit warmer for the baby, for baby Jesus. They would have been in around the straw there, which would have kept it a little bit warmer, and the other animals in the manger as well would have provided a little bit of heat. It wouldn't have been extremely cold, but when you're having a baby, you don't want to be out in the cold or in the wind, even if it is fairly moderate.
0: Now, let's imagine flocks of sheep peacefully resting in a field at night with their shepherds diligently keeping watch over them. Then suddenly, these shepherds get the surprise of their lives as a multitude of angels announce the birth of the Savior. Jim Stambaugh is Director of Library Services at Washington Bible College and Capitol Bible Seminary in Maryland.
4: Keep in mind that in ancient world, shepherds were on the lower rungs of societal viewpoint. They were honest workers. They were hard workers, but they were thought of as not necessarily the people you'd want to hang around with. Of course, they're out with sheep all day long, out in the sun. They would probably smell rather bad. And so here they're out with the sheep at night. And if you have a fairly dark night and you have this all of a sudden huge amount of angels, and as they're having this radiant glory, you can kind of imagine the shepherds will almost be in utter shock. It's like, okay, what is going on here? And as you can see, as Luke records for us, and these angels that are singing and giving the shepherds a wonderful proclamation.
0: But why would God make such an important announcement to such ordinary people? ICR retired biologist, Dr. Ken Cummings, says the
1: shepherds are a great example of how Christ reached out to the common folk. He ministered to fishermen, he ministered to farmers, he ministered to a lot of ordinary people. And when the people came out to see him and hear him, they came out from the villages and they came out from whatever their responsibility was. But for the most part, they weren't the city folk, who were the politicians and the the businessmen of the time. So Christ truly worked with the ordinary people of the day, and that's a wonderful statement, that he would come from heaven down to earth to be able to minister to all walks of life but to focus in on the ordinary person. And I think that that's really what Christmas is all about.
0: The shepherds that ran hastily to see the newborn king were honored above measure to gaze upon Jesus Christ. To picture what they saw, let's find out about the birthplace of Jesus. Dr. Fails.
3: In actuality, we really can't tell you exactly what this situation looked like. When Mary and Joseph were traveling to Bethlehem, they stopped in some place we call the inn. Now, that's not like an inn like we have today, but it's more like what is called a caravansry at that time. This is where caravans or people traveling would stop in for the night. And uh, where he would have been born would not have been in this building, but would have been probably somewhere around behind the building. There is a manger, and the manger doesn't have to be made out of wood. There are mangers that have been found that have been made out of stone.
0: Dr. Cummings says since this shelter was built for animals,
1: it wasn't designed with human comfort in mind. Within whatever this structure was, this barn, there probably would have been crude equipment. And, of course, rough-hewn wood for supports for the building around it. Obviously, very few windows and sources of light. So a very, very crude kind of farm building of some sort is where that would be. On the other hand, it probably served the benefit of the inn. And the folks that were staying in the inn probably were wealthy, more wealthy than than these travelers, uh, Joseph and Mary. And so they probably would have corralled their camels and whatever larger animals, donkeys and beasts of burden. They probably would have corralled them in this building. So here you have a sort of a kaleidoscope of uh, mammals that would have been present at the time of this birth. And the shepherds would have felt at home in this kind of setting. What other animals might have been in the stable the night of Christ's birth? There's historic records of horses being present. They are different from our equus, our horse that is domestic horse today. These would be more like wild horses, but that had been domesticated for the purpose of Easter Burden. So mostly wild asses donkeys and some horses uh, that could have been corralled and tamed for the purpose of being beast of burden so because of being close to a trade route there would be lots of customers in the inn who would have these beasts with them as part of their travel retinue remember that the sheep and the goats especially the goats would be used for milk as well as for cheese and then for clothing for the wool and and the like, uh, meat from the sheep itself. So they were not only the medium of trade at that point, the sheep and goats, that would be the cash in your hand, would be the the animals that you owned uh, or you were able to barter between. Amongst the animals in the stable that night lay
0: the Creator of the universe, the King of kings and Lord of lords. This was the one the shepherds were beholding. This was Jesus Christ. But why would God come to earth in such a lowly fashion?
1: Dr. Cumming explains. We have a very humble setting in which Christ is the focus of the attention. The kings wanted Him dead, but the the humble people were looking for their Messiah. In this setting, the arrival of Christ becomes very important, that he came to save the lost. Well, uh, he did that. He saved many, and a lot of the conversions were among the people of of the town, or of the villages, and of the countryside. And he did have an impact on other classes of society at that time, too. But his message was the same, no matter who it was. I've come to save the lost. And I think that that's where we should think at this time is that Christ came to save the lost. In our countryside, we're highly industrialized, highly civilized, highly organized, and we are totally caught up in the materialistic world. We need to come away from the materialism and realize that Christ, in his humility and his uh, humble beginnings, and as he advanced in age and wisdom, he still reached out to the lost, no matter which level of society they might have been in. And he had great effect. And that's our expectation today, that the witness of Christians to those who are lost is so critical, and the pronouncement of his word as to being the truth of God. That's what we want to focus in on at this time. Jim Stambaugh.
4: When we think through the birth of Christ, the fundamental question we ask is, why would God send his son? Well, again, we see this very clearly in the Gospel of John, chapter 3 and verse 16, that God loved the world, that he gave his unique, only begotten Son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And Jesus said it himself, that he has come to give life, even abundant life. When we think through our world, we can put ourselves in the plight of the shepherds. That often we feel society just doesn't care for us. Our neighbors, our friends, often sometimes don't care for us. But what we can see in the gospel message is that God loved us so much that he sent Jesus, his only son, who then took the punishment, which was due each and every one of us, he took it upon himself. And that when we put our faith and trust in that completed work of what Christ did on the cross completely, then we have this wonderful gift that he calls eternal life and abundant life. And so I would encourage each and every one of you, if you are not a believer, if you have not put your trust completely in the work of Christ, do that today and experience this unique gift of Christmas that he gave us so long ago in the birth of his son.
0: As our program comes to a close, we hope that you've been encouraged. It's our desire at ICR to show that the Bible can be trusted, both historically and scientifically, and to give facts that will build your faith. As Christians, we need to understand the scientific basis for our beliefs. We pray that this program will aid you in your discovery of science and the Bible. You know, most people aren't aware that today there are thousands of scientists that are convinced of the truth of biblical creation and not evolution. Our non-denominational ministry aims to restore and strengthen the Genesis foundations of the Christian faith. If you've enjoyed today's edition of Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, why not visit us on the web to find out more about the work of ICR. The address is www.icr.org. Again, www.icr.org. Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal is a production of ICR. For the Institute for Creation Research, I'm Chris O'Brien.